Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Let's join together for prayer. Dear gracious Lord and Father, we thank you so much for your word and we thank you for the the great privilege that we have of uniting our hearts together to allow the Spirit of God to flow through this place and allow your voice to be spoken into our hearts through your word. Lord, I pray that you would enable us to not only hear the message that you have for us, but to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to James chapter 1. James chapter 1 is our passage of Scripture this morning, and we're going to look at a few verses here. And while you're looking, I I, uh, uh, have been very keenly aware about the events going on in our nation. Uh, Most recently, there's been a vacancy on the Supreme Court, and uh, there's been a lot of talk in the media about uh, uh, whether or not the president should go ahead and and appoint someone to the Supreme Court, who that person would be, and and all that kind of thing. And as uh, we saw in the news yesterday uh, during the day, uh, uh, the president did appoint uh, a nominee to the Supreme Court, and uh, this uh, individual is ra- rather unique. Uh, uh, the uh, the individual that the president uh, appointed uh, as a nominee to the uh, Supreme Court is a very religious individual, is known uh, very widely for her faith in in God and her adherence to. Uh, the Catholic faith, and in fact, when she was uh, uh, going for confirmation to the circuit court uh, that she's been serving on, uh, that faith was was brought up in a very uh, disingenuous way by those who didn't agree with her uh, uh, philosoph- uh, philosophical stance in terms of of life, in terms of. Uh, the, uh, the the way in which uh, she uh, adheres to her life. You know, it's amazing how they... It doesn't matter what kind of individual gets uh, nominated for the Supreme Court that it seems like there's always someone who wants to uh, to use all the the things that that person is known for against them, trying to uh, use uh, those types of things as a, a reason not to confirm them. Uh, it doesn't matter uh, if it's been recently or if it's been years ago. It seems like uh, ever since uh, back in the 80s, it seems as though uh, there has been an adversarial type of stance taken against these individuals that, uh, for the most part, are are uh, given a lifetime appointment to the court. It is important to make sure that we get these individuals right, but uh, this instance brings up uh, a question that, that I had to ask myself. Uh, would I be the type of person that would be known for my faith in God? 
This individual uh, that is uh, is appointed, uh, it seems as though uh, the opposition party uh, wants to use the fact that she is a, uh, a an adherent to. Uh, the faith, uh, someone who is uh, has a stand on certain issues that are in line with her faith. Uh, they don't mind uh, in Washington, D.C. and the rest of the world really doesn't mind if you profess to have a faith and you don't live by that faith. Uh, they're happy to join in with you. I'm, I'm this or I'm that. I'm an Episcopalian. I'm a Lutheran. I'm a Catholic. I'm a Baptist. Uh, uh, and as long as, as you just simply state, well, I'm one of these things, but don't live by it, they're happy with you. They, they just are thrilled uh, because you can go about uh, your uh, business without being in a threatening manner to them. Uh, you can go about your life without uh, taking particular stands. But if you're actually the type of person that lives by your faith, then you're a danger to them. You're a threat to them. And that's what James here is talking about here, especially in this first chapter of the book of James. Uh, the whole desire for, uh, for the book of James being written is, is that, uh, that we have not just simply a Christian life or a Christian lifestyle, but that we, have, uh, that we live a life of perfection in God, that we perfect our faith, that we perfect our walk in Christ. And I, and I tried to relate to that in some way. Uh, and uh, one of the things that, that I thought of uh, really came into focus uh, last night. Uh, Robin and I and Isabella went and we went out to eat. And just think about the times that you go out to eat. And you're uh, sitting down at a nice table in a restaurant uh, uh, either now or in... Uh, time passed when we didn't have to worry about all the COVID stuff and everything. But you sit down at the table and you're going to spend a good bit of money for your meal. You want your meal to come out and to taste just right. In fact, uh, we uh, we had gone to a restaurant uh, a while back and we sat down and when the food was brought out, uh, everybody's food looked just wonderful except for mine. <laughs> mine looked a little off when you go out to when you eat something whether you cook it at home or you get it at a restaurant and you sit down to eat you don't want your food to be just a little off you know you can you can you can mow your grass and get most of it but have just a little section that just doesn't look all that great but you know it's, it's it'll be okay it'll grow back out you can cut your hair and if your hair is just a little uneven it's okay because it'll grow back out uh, you can uh, you can you can ha have your clothes on and I've done this many times. You know, you wear a certain set of clothes and they become your favorite. And you wear them, wear them, and wear them, and wear them. And you get a little hole down at the bottom of your pocket or you get a little hole down, a uh, little fray down the end of your pants. And look, it's not perfect, but it's okay. It'll do. It'll, I mean, it won't do for an interview or uh, to get a job or it won't do to if you're going to impress someone. But if it's just 
going about your business everyday life it it doesn't matter in fact uh we went to the store the other day to get some pants for isabella and most of the jeans that we looked to find looked like they had been uh run through the ringer and tore up by the a machine that was on the fritz and i said we're not buying any pants that have holes already in them that's why we buy you pants because you get holes in them (laughs) uh so uh uh, you know, a little slight imperfection sometimes allows for what we are doing in our life and what we're having in our life to, to seem almost normal. Uh, but when it comes to the Christian life, when it comes to certain things, when it comes to your food, you want it to be just right because if it's not, you might get sick or you, it won't taste as good. It'll be okay, but... It, it might sustain you, but it won't be an enjoyable experience. If you're eating sushi, you don't want your sushi to be, well, close. You want it to be just right so that you make sure that you don't get sick. It's the same way with anything else you eat. You eat uh, 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 pork, you want to make sure, or chicken, you want to make sure that it's cooked all the way through so you don't get sick, right? I mean, and it's the same way with our Christian faith. James says we need to live our life in perfection in Christ, not just simply make it over the, over the finish line. Oh, I, I've made it. I'm a Christian now. I'm, I, I've made it. I've just barely made it. Or like in some terms of, you know, uh, you know it, it's <laughs> when you're going to school, you don't want to just barely pass to the next grade by the skin of your teeth. You want to be in there good. You want to be so confident in the knowledge that you've gained in your education that, boy, you pass with flying colors. Similarly, you don't want a pilot flying your plane that just barely made it through pilot school. Or a, or a surgeon who squeaked by his medical exam. Or for that matter, had to take it three or four times before he passed. You don't want to be represented by a lawyer who had to take the bar exam 13 times before he passed. You want the guy who knows his stuff backwards and forwards when you're put out on that operating table. You want the guy who knows everything that he's doing and is has perfected, has lots of experience, who winds up flying your airplane. You want to make sure that they have perfected their talent, their ability, their skill at that task. So why shouldn't we desire to perfect our faith, to live a life that is more than just getting by by the skin of our teeth? We want to have the kind of faith in which if we're tested, if we're tried, if our faith is put on trial, that we Passed with flying colors with the A plus, not make a D minus. We want to be sure that when when we go in through our life, you know, if we had a weightlifting uh, uh, measure to our faith, we don't. We want to be able to lift the heavy weights. We don't want to be a weakling. We want to have strong faith. And that's what James is talking about. Look at verses 2, uh, chapter 1, verse, uh, verses right there at the beginning. Uh, I, 
Uh, our text begins in verse 2, but uh, it begins out saying, James, a servant of God, and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are uh, scattered abroad, greetings. And so James is talking to the church during what's known as the diaspora. He's talking to uh, the believers in Jesus Christ who have been scattered abroad. Why have they been scattered? Because they've been they've been scattered most likely uh, and uh, and evidently by by the fact that they have been persecuted for their faith. And he says, "My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations." Okay, and knowing this, that uh, the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have um, perfecting, uh, let patience have her perfecting work. It might do good to get out my glasses. Again, you want me to read the actual words, not close to the actual words. Okay, uh, let patience have her perfecting work that you may be perfect and in and in entire wanting nothing and in my bible i've written the word here right after wanting nothing i'm not trying to add to scripture here but what what james is referring to is is living a victorious christian life now, what, when he says when you fall under diverse temptations, what he's talking about here is not an, a temptation of, uh, that, that is a, uh, a test of your faith. Uh, uh, what he means is, is a test of your faith, not a temptation in terms of uh, trying to get you to sin. God never desires that you and I sin. But from time to time in our life, we, we may go through a period of time in which uh, our, test, our faith is tested. And what he's referring to here in, when it says, when you fall un- amongst diverse temptations, he's talking about trials. When you go through periods of time when, you're, uh, when your faith is challenged, when your faith is, is uh, 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 put, to, put to the test. And we know that in terms of what he says following that. He says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. And so what he's referring to is, is just the same thing as that, uh, that fellow who is in the gym. Now, we're not talking about the guy like me that, that all of a sudden wants to, to get healthy and, and is going into the gym and, and he doesn't go very often and he just is going there to uh, because it's the end thing to do or because uh, his mom and dad bought him a, a gym membership or something like that. Now, I'm talking about the guy who is a gym rat, a guy who is in there all the time. He's there uh, because he's devoted to improving his health, improving his body. And uh, I mean, uh, you see them guys and they're, they're all pumped up and they have all this, this power uh, behind them because they're sitting at the uh, bench and they've got 
you know, a couple of hundred pounds on the barbells and they're sitting there and they're just a pumping away and they're, they're pushing their body, they're, they're straining their muscles and they, they're doing their best to break down the fiber of their muscles so why? So that their muscles will be built back up even stronger so that the next time they come they have to add more weight to the, the barbells in order to push their muscles a little bit more or they'll add more reps in and they'll push themselves to the point where they're breaking and the desire is is to break down those muscles so that the muscles will grow back stronger and in the Christian life, we need to just uh, we need to do more than just simply uh, come into church and and have uh, our time where we uh, sit together and we hear the message of God and we just simply say, "Yeah, I know that, and I know that. Yeah, I agree with all that." What we need is a test of our faith. We need uh, to to strengthen our faith by asking ourselves, "What is it that that I truly believe?" And this was uh, illustrated the most to me when. I went off to college, and, and I went to a Christian school. And so, uh, uh, but but today that doesn't mean anything. Almost, uh, you can go to a Christian school and and have a professor that uh, that slips in and and does. Uh, some things and teaches some things that aren't uh, biblical but uh, uh, but I went to a Christian school and I trusted all my professors there and uh, one of the things that, especially when I went to seminary is that, that the desire of the professor was not simply to sit there and tell you things that you would then uh, learn by memory and you would be able to spit back out it's not like mathematics where you learn how to do the formula and you learn to, to spit out the, the correct number. The desire of the professor was is to determine, uh, okay, what is your faith? And then ask you, why do you believe this? And quite honestly, if you have the kind of faith that you just simply say, well, mom and dad always told me that's how it was, or uh, I went to Sunday school and that's just how it was always uh, told me, then you're in for a deep test at that point. It's the desire of God that we test our faith and we determine, uh, and the professors there were trying to do this in us, is uh, let's not just simply instill in you the right answer, let's find out why that's the right answer. Let's find out what your faith truly is. Let's determine how we arrive at that truth. James here is trying to push the believer, trying to push the, uh, the, uh, the, the Christian that has been spread out by the, the many trials and tribulations that they're facing. And he's trying to help them to understand, listen, uh, you need to understand something. First of all, that there are trials and tribulations. Up until a couple of years back, it seemed like uh, we lived in a nation and a world where it seemed like everybody was a Christian. Everybody uh, would agree with you about uh, your faith and about the things that you uh, shared about your faith, at least here in the South, uh, especially in what many would call the, uh, the belt buckle of the Bible belt. Um, it, it, it's real easy to go around and, and share your faith because a lot of people would agree with you about that faith. For the last several years, people have gotten uh, exposed to many more 
faiths. And a lot of people uh, didn't have a true foundation in their faith, didn't have a true faith in God. Uh, they might have gone to church from the time that they uh, were just a little bitty baby and they might have uh, even walked down the aisle, but uh, in reality they did not have true faith. They were going... Uh, see, what was the problem with uh, the, the Israelites at this time and it's a problem in our society, in our world today. We've got a lot of people that, that simply have gone through the motions of all the things that is expected of you in a church. Uh, you, you attend on a regular basis. You uh, say the right things. You do the right things. If you're in uh, some traditions, you stand up and, and sit down at the right times. You say the right things when the minister or the pastor says things. And, and, and you go through all the motions, even walking down the aisle and, and shaking the pastor's hand and, and having and everybody voting on you and all that kind of thing, but those things don't mean that you have a saving faith in Jesus Christ. All of those actions, all of those things don't mean that you have faith in Christ. And James here is trying to help uh, the believers of his day to understand that there's going to come times in your life uh, when, when you are going to have to question, do I really have faith in Jesus? Now, this is not to negate your faith in Christ. It's not to dissuade you from having faith in Christ. It's a desire, rather, to, to ensure that you have true faith. There's a, a, a thing that's done in, in perfecting medicine. Boy, that's another one. You don't want to go to the doctor and get a shot that maybe will help you. You want to have the real deal when you get a shot. Make sure that you don't get the measles, mumps, and rubella, or make sure that you don't get uh, 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 tuberculosis, or to make sure you don't, even when uh, you get the flu shot, you want to make sure that you get the flu shot that covers all the flu that's going around right then, not the flu that flu shot that, that would help you, all the flu that's not going around. What's the sense in doing it, right? And we want to make sure that we have a faith that is built up, that's strong, that's, that's, that's genuine. We don't want to come to the point where we uh, think that we've gone through all of our life as a child of God and then come to that faithful day when we are called to our eternal rest and find out that we just simply went through the motions and find out that we really didn't have faith in Jesus Christ, that we never really gave our heart to Christ. You see, having faith in Jesus Christ and, and believing in Jesus and accepting Je uh, Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life is more than just simply raising your hand when the pastor says, hey, you want to give your heart to Christ. It's more than walking down the aisle. It's more than, than just saying the right things or doing the right things. And, and let me tell you something, there have been people who've gone through all their life and thought they had Jesus in their life and realized they never had a relationship with Christ. Never had an intimate, personal relationship with God. James says, you need to know there's going to come times if you have true faith in Jesus Christ that there will be times in which you will have your faith tested. It's a desire of God that you have not just faith 
in Jesus Christ, but that your faith would be strong in times of difficulty and strong in times of trials and tribulations. My brother is a firefighter. And when he first became a firefighter, I said, well, that's, that's great. You get to sit around all the time and watch, uh, play video games and eat and get paid by the state to be a firefighter. You go out maybe once a month or once ever so often and respond to a fire. Hey, that, that's great. He said, no, you don't understand. We do more than that. Oh, well, yeah, I know. You You wash the truck every once in a while, make it look all shiny and everything right before a parade. Uh, make sure you turn the engine on every so often. He said, no, it's a lot more than that. He said, every day we train. Every day we practice. Every day we learn new information, new techniques, new standards. Why? Because when the faithful day comes that they do go out on a fire call and someone's life is dependent on it, they want to be sure that they're able to be up to the task. And brothers and sisters, when you are relying on your faith for so much more than just simple life, when you're faith is essential for all of your eternal destiny or the eternal destiny of someone else, we want to be sure that you have more than just simply your name on a certain role at a certain church or that you just walk down the aisle and you're able to say, yeah, I, I, shake the, I shook the pastor's hand. I, I said the right words. Uh, he even dunked me in water. Remember, that water is the same water that's in the toilet out here in the, in the restroom. That water is the same... Well, it's clean. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But that same water is the same water that comes out in the water fountain that goes into the ice machine. Same water that comes out the spigot in the, in the, uh, in the kitchen. It's just water. That water doesn't save you. The act of shaking the pastor's hand doesn't shave you. The, the act of, uh, of being dunked in that water doesn't save you. Uh, coming each Sunday to church and, and sitting in Sunday school doesn't save you. Being the son or daughter of a, of a pastor or the son or daughter of a deacon or the son or daughter of a Sunday school teacher doesn't make you a Christian. doesn't make you a child of God. And it doesn't also it also doesn't mean that you're prepared to share your faith with somebody else. Or that your your faith is prepared for the trials and tribulations of this world. The difficulties and the struggles. You see, your faith is, is wonderful that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but it's crucial when there comes a point of testing of trial, of true crucial moment. When God calls you to stand up and be a child of God, when God calls you to stand, there, there comes a point in your life, in all of our life, it's a pivotal moment in which God has called you to stand and be a testimony, to be a witness. Your stage might be uh, not. Be, your stage might not be to the whole world in which everyone 
witnesses the testimony that you give. It might be just for a couple of people. It might be be just for one. But it's just as important. It's just as crucial that you have strong faith in that moment. That you have a powerful faith in God. Stand strong for your convictions. And which other people are able to say, that's the child of God. James says, we're all going to be tested. He said also, delight in the fact that you need to understand that 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 testing brings about patience. (laughs) That was something I I was in sore need of when I was a child. Patience. It wasn't evident in everything that I did, but I I can remember as a little boy. In fact, I I was sharing this with uh, some of the men the other Sunday. I can remember as a child just hoping and praying that I would finally get to 21. It wasn't that I wanted to go out and join the military. It wasn't that I wanted to go out and and drink and party like some of my friends. It wasn't that I wanted to to be done and over with with college or and and high school, which a lot of my friends wanted to be. They just wanted to be 21, so that that meant they didn't have to do any more of that stuff. What I wanted to do when I wanted to be 21 because I wanted to be taken seriously. You see, I always felt like at a younger age that, that people didn't take me seriously. They, oh, you're, you're young, you're just learning. Oh, you're, you're young, you don't have a whole lot of experience. You're young, you don't have a lot of, of wear and tear on your tires yet. You're young. I always felt like I was being discounted. At least in here. Not, not that they were actually doing that to me. I wanted to serve God. I wanted to give my life to God. I wanted to do everything I could to serve Him. And I felt like I had all of this I had to go through until I could actually do that. I wanted to be 21. I wanted to be on my way to serving God, on my way to doing things. And what I lost, what I missed, what all the things I, I just didn't understand because I was too young. I was too inexperienced. I didn't have enough wear and tear on my tires. Was that I could be a witness and a testimony and I could be useful for God all during that time, even though I was still in training. And all the things I was learning, all the experiences I was having, all the frustrations and and problems that I was having, all the struggles that I had. I remember sitting around the table with a group of ministers in the church that I was attending while I was in seminary, and I was was in tears because I, I was going to seminary in a place where there were thousands of seminary students, and it was so hard to find a place to serve God. And I was in tears because I felt like I couldn't be used of God. And the problem was is I was so focused on serving God the way I thought I had to serve that I, miss, I was missing all the opportunities that God wanted me to learn and to use and to be used of God and how God wanted to allow me to be a servant for Him. In all of those circumstances. You need to understand that those trials, those tribulations bring patience. Patience is so important. 
because we don't we don't always see things in God's timetable. We don't see how God wants to use us. We don't see how God is working in us. James said, that patience, that patience is going to bring perfection in your life. That patience is going to build strength in your life. That patience to serve Him. You know, the the guy who starts out wanting to be the bodybuilder and wants to be like Mr. Olympus and wants to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger and all that kind of thing, it doesn't happen overnight. I I know because I tried once. It didn't work. It didn't work overnight. You know, you can sit there and lift weight and lift weight and lift weight and you can sit there and eat a certain diet and, and, and exercise and all that kind of stuff. And no matter what I did, I still looked like me. I didn't look like them guys. I didn't look like those guys. I didn't... I, 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 and, and if you look at those guys and you see what they've done, you see that that... that Result is the result of years and years and years and years of training. And Charles Stanley is the pastor that he was at First Baptist Atlanta for years and years because of all the things that he learned and developed and God built into his life and God molded and shaped him into the vessel that he was for years because of what God did in his life. God crafting him and molding him the patience that he needed to have. The same way with with uh, uh, Chuck Swindoll and, and Billy Graham and all these other individuals that God has used on a great way. Rick Warren and all these other people uh, to touch lives in, in such profound ways through their uh, preaching and teaching and writing books. That, that didn't happen overnight. We need to have patience. Allow God to work in us. He says, if we have patience in our life, it will bring about a perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. That perfection takes time. That perfection takes patience. That victory in your life takes time for God to work and to mold and to shape you. And as easy as it looks like, you know, these people that have such talents, such gifts, so many gifts, it doesn't come overnight. Years ago, we went on a vacation and, and we uh, went to Williamsburg. I wanted the girls to see uh, a part of our history. I wanted to relive some uh, experiences that Robin and I had on our honeymoon uh, going to Williamsburg and enjoying the time uh, there and in that area. And One of the things that you get to see uh, when you go to Jamestown and Jonestown and all that is they have these reenactors that do all kinds of, of things like they did years ago. One of the reenactors is a glass blower. That guy will sit there and they'll get that uh, furnace hotter than you feel. I mean, you just get close to the thing and you feel hot. And this guy is even closer and he's in there and they're heating up that that uh, glob of stuff that's in there and the guy takes this long pole and he wraps a bunch of it around the end of that pole and and he starts to blowing and he, he just rolls that thing around and it before long it's 
crafted into a beautiful glass piece of artwork. Let me tell you, that didn't happen the first time he picked it up. I imagine if you and I were brave enough to brave the heat and try and go in there and blow on that long pole and and try and blow some out, we'd get a piece of glass that just had a big hole in the end of it because we blow too hard or it'd be just a, a big blob because we took too long to blow into it or we'd uh, it would be misshapen because of the fact that we turned it too fast or we blew too little air into it or too much air into it or or whatever uh, we'd we'd find that that all those simple little strokes of the master's hand has come from a perfection of time of doing it over and over and over and over and over and over. And James says that God wants to perfect in us to use His Master's hand to spin us and create in us a beautiful creation of a vessel that He can use that is perfected, one that won't break and shatter at the first a touch of difficulty or struggle, one that'll be durable and won't leak, but a master's hand that takes us and crafts us into a thing of beauty. God desires that in your life. He desires that for you. He wants you to be more than just a, a simple little vessel that can't be used for much, but a beautiful creation that He is able to do great things. For you and I to be victorious in our Christian walk, we have to understand that there will be tests, there will be trials, there will be struggles. We need to understand that that struggle brings about perfection at the Master's hand. And with yielding to Him, He is able to craft in us a beautiful creation to be used of God. Let's bow our heads. Dear precious Father, Lord, we thank You so much for the fact that You've called us to perfect our faith, to be more than just simply a Christian in name only, but rather to be a true child of God, to be have a perfected faith that is useful in our life to be a, a vessel of perfection to be used for Your kingdom. Lord, help us in our everyday life to realize that the trials and the difficulties and the struggles that we face are building in us perfecting our faith. Lord, help us to depend upon You. Allow Your gentle hand to guide us, to mold us and create in us a clean heart, a perfect vessel to be used for Your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.